Amen. Amen and amen. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, I see, I know I'm quoting the scripture, but I'm also asking you to pay it on. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The psalmist says that the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. I am honored and humbled to come here again as this time as pastor of the historic Galveston St. Paul United Methodist Church. I appreciate the love and support of both my friend and brother in ministry, Pastor Arrington, and the love and support of those from Galveston who came with me. Uh, St. Paul, Galveston St. Paul. And I also want to acknowledge my lovely wife. The love of my life. Married six years this month. I uh, thank you for the wonderful welcome as as also. Uh, And uh, yeah, I'm technically too young to remember the OJs. (laughs) But I, I am what they call an old soul. I know about backstabbers and love train and I, I, I like family reunion and, and before when I was uh, probably in about sixth grade, before I found the love of my life and the sweetest woman I've ever known, before I found her, whenever I had a crush, my mom could always tell because I would come home and listen to Emotionally Yours by the OJ. So she knew I had puppy love on the mind. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the OJs. Let us pray. Father God, you are holy and you are righteous and there is none like you, Lord God. I ask that You let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord God. Let me decrease so that you may increase. Hide me behind your cross. Let your will be done in this service, Lord God, and with your word. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I was uh, given the scriptures and the theme for uh, the service today and uh, for the time that is ours to share together I want to talk a little bit about unselfish roots Uh, being a relatively new father uh, with my son Johnny Simpson III being four years old and daughter LB turning 
three, uh, been paying a lot of attention to child behavior. And it's amazing to watch children grow up because they're emotionally little adults. And as, as we grow older, we learn to use a, a little more tact in what we have to say and exercise a little bit more patience. But I'm watching my son's personality and my daughter's personality, and uh, they, they're, they're going to be some interesting adults. <laughs> I've, I've already had a couple of times where I've wanted to call my mother up and just apologize. Just, I'm... I'm sorry, I'm just, I, I can't believe it. Um, but in thinking about children, uh, they say some of the first words that a child learns and learns to use in its proper context are no and mine. They learn that really quickly. And one of the things that the teachers have to work on at daycares and preschools and everything else is, is the ability to teach them how to play with others, how to take turns, and how to share. And, and that's a mark of maturity when they are able to suppress the selfish desires. And we find that uh, both a good example and a bad example in the texts that were read, both in Isaiah 58, 1 through 8, and then and, uh, a good example in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Uh, in Isaiah, you have a prophet uh, speaking to the people of Israel they had all the good intentions they had all the things that they thought they were doing they thought they were praying correctly they thought they were fasting correctly they thought they were doing everything they needed to do but the motives behind it were not necessarily pure they boasted of their fasting thinking that God was going to be happy about that and then they wondered when they reached out if God would raise a ear, lift an ear to them and hear or uh, see what was going on with their problems because it wasn't going the way they thought. And the prophet responds that God could raise a hand, God could lift an ear, but would not do so. You ever been in a situation where you had the ability to help somebody but the way they asked completely turned you off. All right. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I've been in a couple situations where I had the ability to help a particular person. And it wasn't out of malice or, or, or spite that I didn't. It was just the way you asked. Let me know that you wouldn't have appreciated the help when I gave it. I'm told often it's not what you say but how you say it and so they were actually participating in Isaiah 50, the wrong way to go about this and because they were going about it the wrong way they did not get the help that they wanted at first and then later on in the text between six and verses 6 and 12 of Isaiah 58 they learned that if they were able to share what they had with the people around them they would get some help and the Lord would be their rear guard. All right. Oh, how wonderful it is to not have to worry about watching your back. Right. Yeah. 
there are certain people I know, Pastor Arrington being one of them, is somebody that I could trust that's valuable. You know, you, there are some people you can share something with in confidence and just understand that by the time you get to the car, they will have told a bunch of other people. And then they will say that, well, I can keep a secret, but it's the person I told that can't keep a secret. But I value the trust of a Pastor Arrington that he can keep a secret and keep those things in and, and I the same because I value that friendship. But we have to get away from the unselfish. We have to get away from rather the selfish thinking about what's in it for us. Because if all we think about is what's in it for us, what if everybody thought like that? How would anything get done? How could a committee meeting get done? How could a men's and women's day get planned if everybody came to the table thinking, well, what is it for me? What do I get out of the men's and women's program? What do I get out of this? Nothing would ever get accomplished, but I like that we have to have these unselfish roots. And so that's that bad example. But we have a good example in Acts 2. Here it says in verse 42 of Acts 2 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayers. When we look throughout it, we see that they had their own model of Bible study and prayer and worship and fellowship and sharing and caring and breaking bread, not only breaking bread for uh, the Eucharist, but breaking bread just to share a common meal. And because of all that, they had the signs and wonders that came and the church grew. I am uh, partial to some of my uh, Perkins School of Theology professors, and one of them is uh, Reverend Dr. Jamie Clark Souls, who was my New Testament professor. And one of the things that she drilled into us every time we took a New Testament class with her was that you cannot be a Christian outside of community. You know, they asked Jesus in the gospel according to Matthew, what is the greatest commandment? And he said that is to love the Lord with all your heart and your mind and your soul. And the second is like that, to love your neighbor as yourself. You can kind of get away with loving God by yourself, kind of. But you're going to have to love the people. And this church, this model church, it worked so well because it was not something that was of their own creation. If you were to, uh, in your study and go home and check out the first chapter of Acts and then later on in the the second chapter of Acts prior to your reading, there was a move of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that they had tongues of fire. The Bible says they had tongues of fire. Third time's a charm. The Bible says they had tongues of fire. Have you ever been touched by fire? Fire will make you move when you don't plan to move. Fire will make you say some things you did not plan to say. 
And that Holy Ghost fire that came upon them allowed them to build a model church. One that would have been great for vital statistics. One that would have produced a wonderful charge conference report. It grew because they worked with each other and they worked with each other because they got help from the Holy Spirit. There is community. It says that they shared with one another and nobody lacked. They cared about each other. They knew what was going on and they went from house to house. They didn't just say me and my two and not you. (laughs) Me and my four and no more. They they were concerned genuinely about their brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is how the church grew. That is how the Holy Spirit was able to move through them. They were unselfish. They loved one another and they shared with one another. So the first point a four-point race, and then I'm going to go ahead and take my seat and eat some of this good food I keep hearing about. Uh, First point is that they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. Uh, They had to be devoted to the teachings of the apostles because these were the successors of Christ. These apostles that they're talking about were the people that Jesus had poured into directly. And these were the people that the power of the Holy Spirit was working through. They were devoted to the teaching of the apostles and they were guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 10 says, for the scripture says, whoever believes him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is over the rich and all who calls upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then it goes on to say, well, how then shall they call on him? who they have not believed <laughs> and how should they believe in him who they have not heard and how should they hear without a preacher and how can they preach unless they've been sent as it is written oh how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things but they were not allowed they obeyed the gospel for the Isaiah says the Lord who has believed our report so then faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word they were unselfish enough to listen to the word of God when it was being preached. And that is how the church was able to move on. They didn't say, oh, those apostles don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to just wait till they get moved somewhere else and then we'll do this all over again. All right. All right. They didn't say, well, I've been around longer than these apostles. So by default, I think I should know more than them. They didn't say any of that. They were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. I know y'all hear a wonderful sermon every Sunday. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Pastor Arrington makes it look real easy. Probably to the point that one might think you just get up here and just talk about what's coming out your head and and then say some Jesus and go ahead and sit down. I'm not talking about anybody in specific. I'm just putting it out there. I've heard those type of things before. Even from people who worked in the church. I can do what the pastor can do, but the pastor can't do what I can do. (laughs) This job has a horrible rate of depression and burnout and suicide and sickness. It's hard covering. 
So if you want the church to grow, if you want the church not just in numbers, but if you want the church to evolve and mature, it's here in the text. They were devoted to the teachings. Be devoted to the teachings. Cover your pastor in prayer. Just as he prays for you, you need to pray for him. Because he needs it. Devoted to the teaching. Second point, they fellowshiped. Fellowship. Let the church say fellowship. Fellowship. I like that word fellowship. Been learning a lot about it. Uh, In English actually derived (laughs) from a Dutch term that meant fellowshippers. A group of people on the same destination having the same purpose. Companionship or the sense of a body of companions also meant a, a, a spirit of camaraderie and friendliness and a state of privilege as the word has changed but the people fellowshipped. They were around each other. They were on the same path. They were on the same purpose. I, I like coming down to Galveston because I get to see the cruise ship. I've been on a cruise. And I'm going to go on another one eventually. But uh, <laughs> I like to see the cruise ships take off. You know what's funny about a cruise ship or any kind of ship in general? You can't be on the ship and be heading a different direction than the ship. All right. You can try to head a different direction than the ship, but you're still eventually going to be going the different, the same direction of the ship, or you're going to be off the ship. All right. A common destination, a common purpose. They fellowshiped. They spent time with each other. That's the only way you can get that common destination and common purpose is to spend some time with each other. Or else, we're no different than the atheists. And I mean that. I I was shocked to read in CNN that there are groups of people who gather together on Sunday mornings, sing songs, plan community service events, have somebody stand up at a podium and give words of encouragement. But nobody in the room believes in Jesus. They call them humanist churches, churches of atheists. If they can do that, what separates us from them? It's got to be Jesus. And it's got to be fellowship in Jesus. We have to be able to love one another and see everybody's needs. We have to be that Christian in community. Fellowship. And then they broke bread. Not just communion. Not just the Eucharist. But they broke bread. They went from house to house, as the text says. And they sold their possessions and goods to distribute the proceeds to all that had any need. You may not be able to sell your house to, for the good of the church, but 
what are you doing with your talents and your, uh, your time? Mm-hmm. All right. I understand being on a fixed income. I understand not being able to give you treasure all the time, but what about your talents? What about your time? We do this not just for us, but we do this for those to come so that they can follow the legacy and they can know what it is to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But they broke bread. It was practical. Wasn't deep. Wasn't super spiritual. They didn't go over a whole bunch of programs and litanies and everything. They just went from house to house. Brother, what do you need? Sister, what do you need? Is there anything I can do for you? I'm not calling for dues. I'm not calling for uh, your pledge payments. I'm not calling for any of that. I'm calling to see how you are. Breaking bread. In some translations, depending on the verse you use, the bread in Greek is also a metaphor for life. Are you spending part of your life with other people? And then there was prayer. The Bible says to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If we are going to be unselfish, it's going to take prayer. If we are going to change the way we act about certain things, the way we feel about certain things, we can't do it on our own. You can try. But like I said, this church worked so well because it was a move of the Holy Spirit. We ought to be able to carry everything to God in prayer. Everything. And you spend this time in teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And that is how the church grew. You know, we sit in meetings and they talk about what kind of churches are going to have to close down and uh, how they are measuring churches and how they are doing certain things in the community. But I feel that if you really want to have a vital church or a vital congregation, if you really want to invest in the young, if you really want to do all of those things that the bishop sends down through our district superintendent, and I have nothing against them, I'm just saying, we've got a way right here, a blueprint right here, being concerned about your fellow brother and sister. Letting the Holy Spirit move in you, fellowshipping, being devoted to the teaching. And not just being devoted to the teaching, but learning on your own as well. For the Bible says, to study, to show thyself approved. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You may not be able to get Pastor Arrington on the phone all the time. You got to develop your own relationship with Jesus as well. You have to have that word in you. And not only do you have to have that word in you for that, but you might be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. Yes, we stand up here every Sunday and open up a Bible and read, but y'all will preach more sermons than we ever will. You preach a sermon every day at your job. You preach a sermon every day wherever you go for meetings. You preach a sermon every day. You preach a sermon in the grocery store behind somebody in line that might be taking too long. You preach a sermon in the parking lot. 
You preach a sermon on 45. You preach a sermon in traffic. What kind of sermon are you preaching? All right. Ask yourself. Devoted fellowship, break bread and pray. And being devoted to these kind of teachings and and sharing goods and, and prayers and religious practices, these are things of a repentant people. These are concrete expressions of the reception of the forgiveness of sins and a reception of the spirit. That's the only way you'd be able to do it. You can't do it on your own. To repent literally means to change how you think about something, change your mind, turn away from it. The only way you can do that is with the right relationship with Jesus. You can't really do these things without a heart for Jesus. But if you have a heart with, for Jesus, you will do these things. If Jesus is not in your heart, living a life like this will be too taxing. It'll be too demanding. But a repentant mind and a purified heart will give you what you need to do to be devoted to this kind of lifestyle. Why? Because on a Friday morning, on a hill called Calvary, they took my Savior, your Savior, our Savior, and hung him up on a tree, and he died. Didn't he die? Died until the moon was dipped in blood. Died until the earth reeled and rocked like a natural man, until the veil was torn, until the centurion said, surely, surely, this must be the Son of God. But thank God that's not how the story ends. He rose three days later with all power in his hand. So that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And because he did that for us, the least we can do is devote ourselves to his teaching. The least we can do is respond to him. The least we can do is fellowship with our fellow man. Love God and love people. In the name of the Father in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit.